places or something like that or is it pretty rare uh, i've never looked at it i don't trust stuff like that though. Yeah, you yeah, never was, know like yeah. what they've done with it like if it's on its last legs or some shit plus i'm not a big fan of meeting people in target parking lots like hey <laughs> so you can probably murder me but please don't here's 50 bucks that's all i got have you ever been any like janky like craigslist exchanges or anything not really most of mine are pretty pretty Standard. square but if i see any like you know oddities one's like yeah and i mean everybody up north of the river yeah there's somebody like oh man come to independence I'm like yeah we're good i'm gonna stick around gladstone area nah dude i always feel like i'm gonna find that one guy who's just <laughs> gonna be like hey just come it's in oh i did one time one time when me and these guys we went to it was like something dumb like picking up a mattress where it's three of us in this dude's pickup truck and we're driving out into the sticks bro, out in the country somewhere <laughs> and it's nighttime and this dude's like, yeah, just come pick it up from my house. And, you know, we're three dudes in our, like, early 20s or late teens. <laughs> I can't remember. And uh, two of us are just standing by the truck. This dude goes in to go talk to this guy on the side of his house. And we're, like, you know, a big-ass yard <laughs> yeah, away from yeah. him. And uh, they're talking and talking. And all of a sudden, they're walking towards the back of this dude's house, like, towards a little shed. And I remember, I'm just like, what the fuck what is the this fuck? dude doing, bro? <laughs> And uh, he comes out with the bed. But I was just thinking in my head, like, bro, that's so janky. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was country, bro. So there's no street lights. It's dark. <sighs> this dude's house looks like the house from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> that's pretty creepy right there. And I'm like, bro, he was like, come into my shed. I'm like, no, dude. It's you bring like, it out uh, of the shed. I'm not hanging out in your meat hooks now. <laughs> right, dude. Like, anything. He's just going to fucking just drug you, throw you in the hole like fucking Buffalo Bill or exactly. some shit. And Nah, dude, fucking, uh, whenever I was looking for Airbnbs, I don't remember if I told you about this, um, I was, we were looking kind of last minute, so the actual website didn't have a whole lot of options, yeah. so I was like, you know what, fuck it, I was looking at first at, like, all the different booking sites, couldn't find anything, <laughs> at wit's end, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go to Craigslist in Denver, yeah. see what the fuck pops up, <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was janky, bro, it was questionable, <laughs> the, uh, one of the links I found was this guy, and I, got, I took a screenshot of it because I just it was just such a weird fucking post. <laughs> and it's a normal post. You know, it's got pictures of the place, different angles and shit. And the way the angles looked, you could tell this dude has, like, security cameras. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all over the house. So that right there was kind of a red flag. You find like, yourself on webcam on the internet. Oh, man, there I am. <laughs> right. Like, the bedrooms, the living room, the restroom. Right. And, uh... And I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird, but fuck it. Keep reading the post. <laughs> This dude had bullet points listed. There was like seven of them. It was like for one bedroom, uh, 50 bucks. It's like, it's a three bedroom apartment yeah. or whatever. He's like, for one bedroom, 50 bucks, I'm going to sleep in one of the bedrooms. Okay. <laughs> Two bedrooms, 100 bucks, I'll sleep in the third bedroom. Okay. Uh, what did you say? And then the, there's another one that was like, the entire apartment, I'll sleep on the couch. <laughs> for $150. <laughs> he was like, and then for 250 bucks, me and my dog will leave the apartment 
and you could really have the whole thing. And <laughs> it's just such a weird way to like bullet point. It has this dude just coming off the fucker. <laughs> And I remember I just kept thinking, like, why not? Why did you have to include the parts where you're going to be moving rooms, <laughs> sleeping on the couch? I don't care where you are. Just <laughs> look, bro. And I was like, me and my friends were joking. We were like, you know, fucking, uh, you could have some of the, you can use my stove as long as you, you cook me something too. <laughs> just like odd requests like that, bro. Like, there's strange fucking posts out there. <laughs> Welcome to the Death Taco Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And today I'm joined by Jeff. How are you, audience? Nice. <laughs> but uh, while I was on vacation, I had a uh, my girl's cousin talk me into watching this movie uh, called The House That Jack Built, which is a 2018 horror film. And he described it to me as more or less just a shock film, exploitation. Uh, would you feel that that's like an accurate description of the film? I feel very much so like that. I'm always kind of nervous watching horror movies so i'm scared they're gonna be cheesy blood stabbing and just uh you know stupid like that but this one actually the murders and stuff like that were pretty legit and weren't like cringeworthy but i was like definitely unsettling i was like yeah i definitely wanted to sell it to you that like it was an over-the-top graphic film because i did a podcast on that movie the green inferno which i don't think you've seen correct i've I've seen the ads for it and i was like what is green inferno i need to see this that's another one of those like exploitation type movies where the violence is just so obnoxious that like it has to be seen clearly it can't be seen like with your parents or some shit you know (laughs) and i wanted to make sure to advertise that to you because my boy watched it with his kid Oh. The guy that cuts my hair, he was like, yeah, my son was with me. And then halfway through it, a plane crashes and some dude's getting his legs and arms pulled off and cooked. And I was like, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, happens. I had a toddler back in my house. He'd be like, he'd be like, what's that, daddy? I'm like, oh, it's not real. <laughs> Dude, I watch so many like questionable movies and, you know, my kid, she just fucking around, bro. And I'm always trying to explain to her like, yo, you know, these are actors. These are special effects. Like. That's how I compartmentalize seeing, like, violent stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I always so. wonder how kids internalize seeing such things, because I'm trying to think what movie affected me. Like, I saw The Exorcist when I was, like, in middle school, and there's still scenes in that movie that stick with me, whereas I'm like, uh, how would my son, you know, be like, what's this, daddy? I'm like, oh, no, it's not real. I just be like, oh, it's fake. I don't know how to explain that to him, so... Now, I like, I think it does stick with you because, like, I was the kid that I saw these movies at an early age with my dad. And um, I just took an interest to the genre. Like, yeah. I would draw pictures of, like, fucked up scenes. And some <laughs> kids would, I mean, some people would look at it and go, like, bro, this kid's going to be a serial killer. <laughs> but low key, dude, it was just, you know, it interested me. Yeah, yeah. Like, just the, uh, the story of, you know, the bad guy. Yeah. I've always found myself, like, just interested in how the villain is portrayed. I always feel like they get the more interesting, like, storylines. Definitely. So, but that's just kind of, like, our intro to what this movie is, which pretty much it's just a documentary, almost, right, of a serial killer. Yeah. I felt like he was almost, like, I felt like the movie itself was almost like a well-thought-out plan. Like, you were trying to become a mass murderer, which I don't recommend. Like, looking at this, I'm like, okay, okay, this is how this guy did it, you know? You know, taking notes and like I said, I don't recommend becoming a mass murderer. I don't know what it's like, but <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like I feel I feel like they try to portray this. This is a very artsy movie. This yeah. is the one thing I took away. The second it ended, I was like, this is a fairly <clears throat> artistic movie. There's a lot of 
throwback scenes, a lot of interesting choices the director made, a lot of it's narration heavy. The the actor, the main guy, Matt Dillon. Yeah. Fire bro. No, I was amazed because I'd seen him in oh, I'm trying to think of the movie. Denise Richards, I can't think of what it's called. But uh that's the first movie I saw him in and I was like, Oh, it's Matt Dillon, okay. So it's got a name in it. Bro, there's something about Mary, son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bro, he was the dude with the teeth. Yeah. That's all I think of that I didn't dude. I think in. about that. And, like, so to see him in this role, dog, was just hilarious to me. <laughs> and even, like, I can't disassociate him with that character, bro, just because he was <laughs> such a fucking goofy character. Just typecast, pretty much. So. Yeah, and, I mean, he, like, could you argue that this movie did have sort of a comedic tone to yeah, it yeah. with as, like, dark as it was? Like, it's definitely, I don't feel like it was meant to be taken too seriously. Oh, no, no. I, I wasn't, like, when he has his freezer of, of people, basically, I was just like, oh, okay, that's kind of dark. But, like, I didn't know. Oh, man, this guy drives, you know, X amount of miles to toss fresh meat into his freezer. And I was like, I wasn't like, people wouldn't really do that. I was like, yeah, that's pretty pretty messed up guy <laughs> yeah or like whenever he's at the um the hotel and he like takes the chick's bodies and he's taking pictures of them and like oh yeah rotating the like positions and shit putting them in like upside down goofy ass fucking poses and he gets mad when he can't get his right picture like it's just an artist is what he sees as himself as like, i'm an artist and also you know i butcher people but yeah <laughs> yeah and um i don't know what i would compare it to bro was like american psycho that's the first thing i think i even told you that's I what I, it reminded me of that. Like, it's just pretty much the internal monologue of a serial killer and what a serial killer would think in these specific situations. Yeah. It's like uh, American Psycho minus the 80s soundtrack. Minus the 80s soundtrack and the obnoxious New York, like, <laughs> yeah. overtones, bro. Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't like that movie, bro. Just because we're not from the East Coast, so I can't, like, associate with that. <laughs> I saw American Psycho when I was younger on HBO and... Maybe I was too young because I was probably in my, I was probably 16. I was like, this is whatever. You know, a guy chasing naked women with a chainsaw. Okay, whatever. It's creepy, but it's not scary. And then someone in, in my college actually read the book, and he told me all about, you know, the undertones of the book. And I was like, oh, okay. And I haven't seen the movie again since. I'm like, no, oh, I took it far enough. What do you think is your, like, ideal type of horror film? Or what do you, what's your favorite type Honestly, I think of the horror movies that really affected me. And have you ever seen the movie Strangers? Yes. That movie I really liked. Like, ghosts and stuff like that are pretty cool. Like, Paranormal Activity, the first one, I thought was pretty strong. Um, Exorcist will always, like, creep me out beyond belief. Like, I can watch it alone, but I'm just, like, looking around like, yeah, this is still scary. Like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't mess with the devil. <laughs> so, to you, what is your idea for, because film and art or anything is all about uh perception so to you specifically what do you look for in horror films honestly kind of like more of an emotive quality like i don't really want to be i want to be scared i want to get what i paid for pretty much like that's why i like the paranormal activity series because i got to see movies like that like the blair witch which oh live camera but the blair witch is creative as it was i was like I was never, like, frightened for my life. Whereas Paranormal Activity, like, I was looking for things, and I'm like, what's that? Is that a face over there? And apparently, probably not. My own imagination was like, that's probably a face. But Yeah, so you're looking more at tone. Yeah, yeah. Like, you want to literally feel like the yeah. movie's pulling, like, your soul into the film. I want to go to bed at night and be like, you know, I should check into my bed. I'm like, 
you're in your 30s. You need to check out the bed. So like, bro, did the ring do that to you? Kind of like when the scene where she shows up for the first time and she moves her hair. That was pretty, pretty freaky. <laughs> I was always because when that came out, bro, I would have been like eight or nine. So I, you know, the whole concept is the TV is a portal to this fucking thing. And, um, you know, when the movie ends, they, the last thing they play is the static on the yeah, TV, yeah, yeah. I think. And you're kind of sitting there in your living room, bro, like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, like, I had always, I think I saw The Ring the first time, I want to say, on DVD from Blockbuster to date myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is the one? The Grudge also. It's kind of like The Ring. And I thought The Grudge, The Grudge was The Ring, but, like, more budgeted, like, it was yeah. on, like, a less of a budget. Less I think, special effects. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like... Still just as creepy. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the I whole, still want to see, like, the foreign versions of those. Uh, like, Zhuang, whatever it is. Zhuang, and I can't remember... Ringu. Oh, yeah. I think I saw... Oh, what it, when I worked at Blockbuster, one of my employees loaned me... I want to say it was Ringu. I want to say. And it was... It was solid, but at the same time, when you're comparing it to the ring, it had... 2000s graphics and not mm-hmm. that graphics make a movie but at the same time you know when the girl's face moves and it's like the rotting flesh like yeah that's definitely creepy it's still i think it would i don't know like it would even though it's a copy i think that's why it would be creepier is because the original one that messed us up is just a mirror of that original scene oh, yeah, yeah so that's why i'm interested in seeing it but no what i was leading to by asking you what you look for now what i look for is specific scenes. I never expect to get scared by, like, an overall movie. Yeah. What I'm looking for is, like, moments. Moments that stick with me from a film. That's why, like, an American Psycho... I saw that when I was a little bit older, you know? <laughs> I'm in my mid-20s or whatever. But the scene where he's chasing the chick with a chainsaw, yeah. like, it sounds ridiculous, but when I saw it, I was like, yo. And, you know, he's at the top <laughs> of the stairwell, like... And he drops it on Drops the, the chainsaw yeah. on a chick, bro. And I was like, oh, my God, it's incredible. <laughs> Just l- random shit like that. Or, like, in the ring, whenever uh, the first time with the two girls, they get scared. They open the closet door. There's a girl oh, yeah. in the closet with her mouth wide open. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. So that's kind of, like, how my appreciation for film comes in. In this film, there's a handful of those. Oh, yeah. Like, that's why it's a shock film. There's shock fucking moments. Yeah. Uh, one in particular involving children that stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, when you miss children, you're like, uh What's, um... What's your opinion on that? Does that like crossing a line to you or I I look at movies like that coming like art. I like shock art. I like art that when you're walking by it, you're like, "Oh my god." Like it creates like some emotive quality and you're like maybe it's, you know, joy or maybe it's just straight up fear. Like any scene where in particular when a child or it seems like in America when an animal like gets hurt, that's automatically a like a kind of a no-no subject for Americans for some reason. Like, I agree. I don't want to see children get hurt, and I don't want to see a dog get clubbed or anything like that, but in the United States, it feels like, people are like, oh, man, you can't, you know, you can't hurt a child or a dog, and the real world is like, nature doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, like, um, you heard about what they do in fucking, like, China and shit, right? Huh? Like, with dogs? Like, it's straight on, like, open market on, like, eating dogs. I know, I know dogs are basically... Because the population is so heavy there. They're like, well... <laughs> and even, like, in China, like, from my understanding, I think of what I've seen, most of it's not cool with it, but there's just certain parts of it that still yeah. are. And, like, you walk through a meat market, it's like walking through a fucking 
market here, you know, instead of like fish or pigs, it's fucking dogs just on hooks. Dang. But no, yeah. So like you said, we're kind of more. What's a good word for that? We're just I would more say. Sensitive I would to say. It? We want to claim we're more civilized, despite the fact that we're not. <laughs> we want to be like, oh, man, we don't eat dogs, we don't eat cats. Like, we always laugh, oh, man, that Chinese restaurant or that fast food restaurant serves horse meat. And it's like, what's the difference between a cow and a horse besides the fact that, you know, we don't really ride cows around? <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought about that, bro. <laughs> I'm always, in that kind of thing, I'm always adventurous in that area. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a try, as long as it's not, I think I draw my line, like, Fecal matter, like, nah, I'm not gonna ingest anything <laughs> that matter. Uh, but, like, say, like, Indian Jones, but they crack from the monkey head and the brains. I'm like, I'm like ah. as long as I don't have any, I guess, fear of getting, like, Ebola or some weird, like, disease from eating. It's like, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, no. So, we're gonna go ahead and get into the spoilers section of this review. If you guys haven't seen The House That Jack Built, I recommend you go and check it out. With that being said, man, so overall, did you like it or did you not like it? I thought it was pretty good. I I kind of went into this movie. I watched this movie a little bit different than I do in a horror movie. Like, my average horror movie is going, oh, you know, it's going to be creepy. I'll watch it and I'll watch it. This one, I actually sat down and from what you said, it was quite a shocker movie. So I was like, okay, I'm ready. And I took notes because I was going to be like, I'm going to discuss what needs to be discussed. I had to come in here like, how was it? I'm like, oh, it was pretty good. What do you think of it? It was scary. And you're like, thanks for the input, Jeff. I like the way that um, it was kind of like uh, Jack, right? Yeah, Jack was talking. It was almost like a conversation between him and maybe a psychiatrist or maybe even like a police officer captain talking about, like, okay, break down the incidents for me that, that happened. And he broke down in chapters, like, incident one. And so I'm like, okay, so first murder. And he went into it. And I enjoyed that aspect of it because it just jumped right in and, it's like, hey, here's my first murder. And I was like, okay. And then, which that one was, uh, that was woman. Uma Thurman, bro. Oh, yeah. And I was always like, is that her? And I'm always like, nah, it's probably not her. Looks a little bit older, man, yeah. but still, <laughs> still a fine piece of woman. Exactly. I was like, still Uma. <laughs> no, um, I remember I was really, because the runtime on this fucking movie, bro, is two and a half goddamn hours. <laughs> I was very hesitant to watch this. Like, when I remember when the guy pointed it out to me, he was like, this is, I was, I'm very hesitant to take recommendations for movies, bro. Cause I'm kind of the same way. I'm pretty nitpicky with movies. Like, I mean, I'll watch anything and I'll have an opinion on just about anything, but like, um, yeah, with films, bro, it's hard for me to take recommendations. So <laughs> the one thing that, like I said, he sold it to me was like, Oh, there's a scene in this. That's like on top, whatever shock movie lists. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's check this out. And, um, so I was, Definitely going into this skeptical, especially with the runtime. I was like, bro, this is a two and a half hour fucking movie. You better not waste yeah. two and a half hours of my time. <laughs> and like I said, this is while we're on vacation. So I'm like, there's only so much time like in this trip. But watching it, it was it was fun. Like it sounds fucked up, but I had fun watching it because it's just one of those movies that's fast paced. It's a thriller. Yeah, it's very More fil film noir. It's about how I tell oh man. Like uh like one of those old school black and white films about a detective. Except you're following a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> and he's murking dudes. And there's not really... The only parts that I didn't like, bro, was like how I said it tries to be very artsy when it's splicing in images of, like, architecture, yeah. old films, and, like, Matt Dillon's narrating to you, like, certain things. And I'm kind of thinking in my head, like, 
doesn't need to be two and a half hours. Yeah. You compare, oh, it, it's, you know, this, these bodies and murders are like cathedrals in Europe. And you're like, you're like, oh, that's kind of beautiful. But it was like, this is a hot topic. Let's go with the story. Right. Or like, you know, there was like a two or three minute segment of like the construction of a cathedral. Yeah. First, you start with the pillars. Then the pillars go and they create the rooftop. And then the rooftop reflects the sun and blah, 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 blah. All this shit. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, oh. It kind of wraps it up. I'm not going to give any spoilers. It kind of wraps it up at the end, which I'll discuss when we get to it. At the end, last scene of the movie, I'm like, I'm like oh, okay, that makes sense why they explained that. But at the time, I was like, okay, cool, cool. You know? No, no, there's no, like, order for this, so we could jump all around. So we'll get to what, like, what you're talking about is, I was thinking throughout the whole movie. This movie's called The House That Jack Built. It talks about him building a house for maybe five minutes, yeah. if that, because he's an architect. Yeah. And it shows him knocking over a house like three or four times because he says he couldn't figure out how yeah. to build it. And the reveal, like you just alluded to, was that at the end, he takes all the dead bodies and forms a house out of people. Yeah. They're kind of like, what do you call, like pickup sticks, pretty much, of... Of people like they're the they're the frame of the house. Like, okay, and that's what it's like. At the end, I was like, oh, okay, that's the house that Jack built. Okay. At the same time, I didn't go back. Like, oh yeah, the cathedrals. I didn't do that at all. Like, did the name click for you at that moment? Yeah, or? yeah. I was like, oh okay. Because throughout the whole movie, I was thinking like, all right, it's gonna have to do something with that fridge. Yeah. Because he stores all the bodies in yeah. this massive fridge, and I'm like, I wonder if like this fridge is low key gonna be you know the house that he's built technically. Yeah. Because, like, it'd be, like, a metaphor for, it's pretty much like you make your bed. Yeah. Except he's built a house. And he literally takes fucking 30 corpses, <laughs> possibly 50, and forms it into the shape of a house. It was pretty haunting to see at the end. I was like, ugh. It was crazy imagery. Yeah. The it's imagery nothing that. where, as myself, when I see images like that, I think of what I'd react, how to react to it in real life. And I just kind of, when I saw the house, I was kind of like, <laughs> oh, okay. And I think it's just a defense mechanism of me laughing because <laughs> if I saw like a the house made of like, oh, there's my friend, you know, Jimmy, there's Jill, there's, hey, that guy at Quick Trip. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like oh man, this is, it's fucked up. <laughs> I think, uh, I've seen so many like fucked up movies that like, Whenever I see stuff like that, I compare it to things. Like, that reminded me of, uh, you've seen Jeepers Creepers? Yeah, yeah. I thought of the scene where the dude goes into the tunnel, and there's, like, bodies all over the walls oh, yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah. They're all sewed together. Yeah. So when I see stuff like that, maybe it doesn't hit me the same as it does other people, because I associate it with things I've already seen. I'm like, yeah. oh, that looks just like Jeepers Creepers. That's cool. Like familiar and safe sort of thing. Yeah, so it's not, like, outlandish to me. Yeah. Now, what was outlandish to me was the scene where he took the kids hunting. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I that that was the sort of that's something I'm talking about. Like when he goes with the two kids and I guess their mother. Yeah. And I was and I was trying to piece together that that idea. It's like, oh, what, is that? I'm guessing he's dating the mom. And I didn't get that either. I, I was like, they just like, hey, kids, you want to you want to go shoot Bambi or something? <laughs> Let me teach you kids how to be a man. Yeah. That was more or less what it was, <laughs> no, right? Exactly. Because yeah. wasn't one of the kids like soft and the mom's like, just watch what he does. Yeah. And judging, I don't come from a hunting background and family that does. Like my dad had hunting rifles, but he was like, "Oh, we're gonna go out and, you know, bag ourselves a, you know, an elk." Or anything that never happened in my life. So, like when he took him out and you know the big, I guess hunting pillow, whatever you call it, or the hunting tower. Like I'd already be like, I don't like this at all. And you're, you're my, you know, mom's boyfriend or whatever. Like, we don't know each other. Like you just stay. Don't point that gun at me. <laughs> 
And the lady was foreign, right? Yeah, yeah. She was like English or something. Yeah. I don't know why that bothered me. I was like, it's like the 1970s, 1980s. <laughs> How the hell does he stumble upon this English lady with two little British kids? <laughs> that's, his, that's, his, that's his thing. His bags. Ooh, man. And aren't like guns illegal in fucking Europe? I want to say, I don't want to say definitely compared to the United States they are. Because like, I know I've heard people like come over from, you know, across the country. So like from Poland, like, so do you have, all of you have guns? I'm like, not really. We have the right to, but. Yeah, like, they just assume we're all, like, G.I. Joe, yeah. right? I have to say that, that scene where he goes hunting with them, and he picks off one of the kids from the tower, and then goes down and shoots the wife, or shoots the woman he's dating with her, and then he's looking around for the third kid, and the third kid's hiding, and he has his face down. That was really a haunting scene, because I looked at him, I was like, oh, man, he's going to shoot him in the back, or something. And from what I know of, you know, firearm rules and stuff like that or you know war you're not supposed to shoot people in the back especially kids like mm-hmm. women and children know and the kids just hiding with his face down in the dirt and he's like blast in the back with a the 12 gauge river i was like that was one of those scenes was like ooh, that's i honestly expected worse because the way it was described to me i was like this is gonna be brutal yeah. but however like as fucked up as it sounds they did it in about the safest way you possibly yeah. could to where it's like cutaway shots like yeah. it's implied it's never like in your face like you know there's some kid like weeping in front of him and you see like a yeah like you've seen in some movies this was all pretty much like he points the gun at them pow and- camera goes to him as he pulls the trigger pow, shit like that <laughs> like um for example i think that movie you showed me the fucking you showed me a clip of movie at work where the guy's like spinning in a circle with the rifle while he's blindfolded. Oh yeah, yeah, that movie was. That movie showed the kid like the bullet actually hit the kid. I yeah. was like, oh shit, that yeah. was fucking hardcore. Now this, while it was fucked up, the concept and the premise was next level. It was shot in a way to where it's not overtly. I feel like yeah, graphic. yeah. It wasn't like you saw, you know, blood like burst from anything like that. It was just like. Oh, man, got shot in the back. Okay. That's or, like, when me. he shoots the first kid, you know, he's in the tower and his head's peeking out. And then yeah. it goes to Matt Dillon when he pulls the trigger. Yeah. Now, what was overt was the scene after that. When uh, he has the picnic with the mom with the two dead oh, kids' yeah. bodies. And he's got them, like, positioned up, sitting. Yeah, I mean, he tries to, like, humanize the corpses and stuff like that. That's and he, like, makes was... her, like, feed one of the kids the oh, fucking... Yeah, he's all like, he looks hungry and he's not eating. Why don't you feed him? That was pretty fucked up. Like, being a father, I can't imagine what it'd be like to be like, oh, you know, here's my you know, my dead child in front of me, you know, is no more. Like, oh, you know, you know feed him food. Like, that'd be very haunting. And so that's... That was probably the shock scene, I yeah, think. Yeah, that was definitely a, ugh. Like, the, the, ish, the initial act was like, yes, it was fucked up, but it wasn't insane. But the part after that, that was definitely yeah. like... And then when, of course, you know, when he... Does he taxidermy one of the kids? I want to say... I'm trying to think now. I don't recall when I think about it. I want to say I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I know he definitely positions the fucker and like lifts the yeah, mouth yeah, to make yeah. it like some crazy-ass yeah. smile. Because he references, he like he says he learns that if you catch a body just in the right phase of rigor mortis or something... Yeah, yeah, he's talking about that. He's like, oh man, if you get them early, you know, you can position them in a way... It's like a more humanized position instead of, you know, just all kind of like a normal, I don't say normal body, 
Gotta know that many dead bodies. <laughs> right. Like, yes, it was a messed up scene, but I don't think it was... I don't know. Maybe I'm just desensitized to the horror shit, but yeah. it wasn't nearly as bad as what I expected. Yeah. I don't know about for you. I, I feel the same. Like, when he shot the kid in the back, I got to know what didn't want, like, gushes of blood and like that. I was like, okay, yeah, that's probably what really happened. But I was like, uh oh. you know, Poor kid, but it wasn't like, I wasn't, didn't see, like, blood. Because the movie is very, it's obviously in color, but it's not, you know, I don't remember seeing red, a lot of red. Like, when they shot in the back, it was very just dark. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to, like, what your threshold for, yeah, like, yeah. shock is. Like, because we've talked about this before. Like, you said, similar to myself, I am I get uncomfortable with rape scenes. Yeah, yeah. Which is why movies like I Spit on Your Grave, Last House on the Left, Straw Dogs, those that's what their big shock scenes revolve around. And it makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. So maybe some people just feel that way towards, like, scenes like this. Like, anything involving a kid, or some people are like that with animals, and yeah. etc. Hell, dude, some people's thresholds are so small, I'm sure they really do get upset with, like, violence against women. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like... I was like, that's the real world. I mean, as much as this movie isn't initially, quote-unquote, the real world, like, if you see a movie where some guy, actor, like, backhands an actress, not in real life, but in a scene, it's like, you know what, that's probably pretty polite compared to what happens, <laughs> say, in the, you know, places of Asia where women are viewed as, you know, just property or just a... Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. America's very, very civilized compared to the rest of the world, I feel like. So. You ever seen The Godfather? I Actually, I saw it in my film appreciation class. Remember the scene where, like, the... What's the dude's name? Al Pacino's sister's, like, throwing, like, dishes and shit all yeah, over the place. Yeah. And then the dude just, like, beats the shit yeah. out of her. <laughs> and that's <laughs> a very, that's a very like, 19... I'm trying to think, is that 40s that movie takes Fort, place? Nah, like 50s, I 50s. think. 50s. Like, back in then, like, I call it the leave it to be your ear and stuff like that. Like, if a husband could almost get away with that, like, oh, man, you're, my wife, you know, backtalked me. Well, what'd you do? Well, like, you know, I gave an open hand. And these days, with women having, you know, I want to say equal rights. I mean, they had equal rights back then, but they were very, just very modest and timid. There is an interview, bro, of uh, Sean Connery mm-hmm. fucking talking to some lady in, like, the 90s or late 80s, I can't remember, a really famous fucking uh, interviewer, some woman, and she's like, you know, uh, 20 years ago, you had an interview where you said that you felt that it was okay to strike a woman if she was stepping out of line, and he was like, and pretty much what you said, he's like, yes, from time to time, you know, you must hit a woman with an open hand, you know, to teach her the blah, 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 (laughs) and that was just common for that time period, Yeah. so like, shit like that. It's just a different era. You got to understand. Yeah. But I think also to say at the same time, like, it can't be in there. Like, for example, let me think of that was um, the Suicide Squad movie. Not the new one, but the old yeah, one that yeah, came yeah. out. You know, how they had scenes with, like, the Joker and Harley Quinn. I guess originally some of their films involved him, like, you know, fucking her up. Or, like, slapping her or something. Yeah. And they cut it out because they didn't want to okay. offend people. Like, if you read the... Because con- I remember... The continuity in the comic books, like kind of the origins of Harley Quinn and stuff like that. Like the Joker, when he first had her, he broke her down to where she pretty much accepted him. Like from a psychological standpoint, like he broke her to where she didn't have any choice but to you know f- what is the psychological term where you fall in love with your captor. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, um, oh, 
I'm trying to think. What was that term? Or was it? Something syndrome, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, like he broke her down enough to where like she was just head over heels for him because he destroyed her psyche and stuff like that. Uh, and I believe that I believe the power of the mind is like the mind is very powerful things. Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Like, cause in the comic books, the Joker broke her down to where, cause she was just like a polite little sweet girl. And then Joker laid into her and stuff like that. And drove her to insanity, sir. And drove her nuts. Yeah. And now she's Harley Quinn becomes, you know, infatuated with him. It's like, Oh, you know, you ever seen a movie called the Poughkeepsie tapes? I have not, but I, I think I've heard of it. It sounds familiar. That's a big part of that movie. Recommended another one of these shock films. I I'm, I'm a big psychological horror fan, so because I took psychology back in when I went to make a woods for a year, and I was like, Oh man. And my old roommate and I always talk about, Oh man, is this person messed up because of this? So I love psychological horror. That's the same reason I like like this movie because I looked on all this stuff and I noticed what they're doing in colors and stuff like that, like very film noir style, and how they you know piece together a story like in chapters. I was like, Okay, I, I'm feeling this. this is, it's very artsy, but it's still very has that creep factor to it. So. That's another thing I look for in films. I just want to see something different. Yeah, that's what's kind of frustrating to me about a lot of slasher films. It's very hard for a slasher film to be different, bro. Yeah. Because how do you go beyond slashing? Yeah. How, how do I how do I how do I film movie scream but make it not like you know just it's Nev Campbell like oh my god no because I feel like the scream series has become pretty tiring. It's very reminiscent of like '90s sitcoms yeah. or like early 2000s sitcoms, where it's like, and then you had a twin brother, who was the evil twin, <laughs> or you had that long lost uncle that you yeah. didn't know about. You know what I'm saying? Scream They're just real generic. It's my cousin. Yes, it's very hard to get away from the generic, you know, plot yeah. twists, and that's what this was kind of a different take on the whole thing. That's kind of one reason I want to see. I've not seen it or even heard about the story about the lighthouse. With, with um, Robert Pattinson, Robert Pattinson. Right. I was like, I don't even know if it's a horror movie. I'm like, oh, it looks kind of pretty cool, and I like the imagery. It looks pretty tight, pretty uh, cool. But I was like, yeah, I'll see it one day. And I don't even I remember you showing it to me. It's very it's dark and gritty film. Yeah, right? so it's even a horror movie. I'm not even sure what it. I just know it has the guy from uh, Lord of the Rings and Robert Pattinson. Oh, yeah. But like I said, I'm very hesitant to try new movies. I tried a new movie, bro. I think I told you about this when I watched Fear Street, which is the second podcast in a row I've complained about. I remember you told me you told me about it. I think it's on Netflix. Yes, it was very pushed and it's very hip with the kids right now. <laughs> I remember seeing the, the screenshot for it and I was like, oh, is that like a movie by R.L. Stein? Is that Goosebumps the movie? What is that? Yeah, pretty much. Like, nah, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> Again, it's, it's I just didn't care for it. It's, it wasn't for me, Jeff. Yeah. That's why I feel like horror movies, they're either spot on, like really great, or just horrible. And I blame a lot of the current horror, because so much current horror is just jump, jump horror. And mm-hmm. as much as jump horror is, you know, it's legit. I'm not taking away from it. Like, for me, like, to be actually truly scared is like an art form. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I don't know, you're right. I think a movie can have jump scares, bro. It just can't be done lazily. Yeah. Like, there's some movies, bro, like, the biggest fucking jump scare cliche of all time, bro, is when they're in the restroom. The mirror. Looking in the mirror. God. You open the mirror. 
you shut the mirror. And I feel like lately, nine times out of ten times, nothing's going to be in there when they close it. But the music is still going to go <laughs> boom. And it's like, okay. And then they turn around and then it's there or some shit like that. <laughs> like the the filmmakers even know like this is a bullshit trope. But they're still going to... And it's just frustrating. That was one thing about this movie that kind of was creepy was the first uh, woman he killed, Claire. Like he followed her into the house or he got her into the house and... It was like the music was playing and stuff like that. And then when he went for the kill scene, which is stabbing, like the music just cut. It was silent. And he went to town, like stabbing her. And it's always kind of haunting because, I mean, I've never been in a room with a murderer like that. But like. He strangled hear, her first, right? Yeah. Like you hear. And you're like, that's kind of really disturbing. Because like, you, if you play on my other senses in a murder. Oh, sight. Yeah, I'd expect him to see blood and knife, and that's... I'm not saying it's a cliche, because... You know, I just want to take a moment to appreciate that your stabbing sound sounded like farts. <laughs> hey, I'm a guy. Everything goes back to farts. <laughs> I always think of the fucking, like, sound of, like, a ninja blade, like... <laughs> I just like that you're... <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I like comedy, comedy killing. <laughs> <laughs> like you're squeezing ketchup bottles, <laughs> exactly. bro. But no, I want to go back to something before we get into that. Okay. Kill. Fucking, um, so you said you've never been hunting? I've never, I've, I've, I've seen, the closest I've seen is one of my friend's dads went hunting and he brought a deer back and I saw him hang it in his, in his uh, garage by the feet and he sawed off the limbs and I was like, okay. But like, I've never gone hunting with rifle in hand and like seen him like, oh, I'm going to shoot this. I'm not against hunting. I'm all for the second amendment. And... You know, hunting isn't like a dark area for me. Oh, whatever. But yeah, I've never. I always thought that was like just a white dude, like rite of passage. Like, <laughs> you guys all got to go like camping and hunting and shit. <laughs> I was like, I've never been hunting. I've I've seen all. I've been to the ballet. <laughs> that other rite of passage, yeah, bro. Exactly. <laughs> no, okay. I just wanted to go back to that. I was curious about that. <laughs> I've never been hunting either. Yeah. Um, there wasn't guns in my house when I was growing up. My parents, it's not that they were, but I guess they were. My mom was. My mom was pretty adamant about not wanting guns yeah. in the house. My so, dad has rifles away in a rifle chest, and I've seen them. I've never held it personally. My dad was always adamant on me not touching it. And I understand, like, if I had a gun in my house, a fire in my house, I would not have my son even know where it is. But So I've never had, so my fascination with guns or hunting or anything in general, I was like, yeah. What do you think your philosophy about that is? Do you think that, because some people feel like a gun is a tool. You should teach your kid to use it like they would use a drill or whatever. But, of course, you know, focus on the importance of the fact of how dangerous it is. Similar to how you would like a drill or some shit. Or do you think it's better to keep it separate as to, like, that's the problem, I think. Is you can go too far either way. Yeah. Either the kid's going to be a nut and too comfortable <laughs> with guns, or they're going to be too timid of the gun to, like, put it on this pedestal of like they're too nervous to even touch it you know <laughs> my idea with firearms in general or weapons in general is an idiot with a sharp pencil is just as dangerous as a as an idiot with a, a, sh like a gun yeah like anything we need is a tool and that's one thing like when i see like knives, like knives are horrible and actually i was in school in middle school and a kid stabbed another kid with a knife because he's getting picked on in the school bus, and I was like, oh, man, that really 
kind of bug me because I'm. When you think of you know weapons, something is shot. Oh man, he got shot. Yeah, that's what guns do. Like oh man, someone got stabbed. Like I imagine how much would how terrible experience would be being a knife in my side. I'm like ooh. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, good... not, I'm not against guns. I'm just I'm against idiots with anything. So. This is a good segue into a little fun fact I know. I like telling this because it's just some weird thing that I happen to know. So, like I said, I went to high school in the mid to late 2000s. I graduated in 2010. So I remember sometime around 2008, I went to a pretty cool high school. We had, like, a a computer lab and shit, and uh, I had a couple classes. So part of my daily ritual in these classes, which I still do to this day even when I go to work, (laughs) I type in Yahoo. What's going on in the world? Yeah. And I remember during this particular time, I would go to Yahoo, and I would see something along the lines of, like, mass stabbing China. School. Well, that's weird. Somebody stabbed 59 kids? Okay. <laughs> weird. It's like, that's a busy day. Because cool. guns are illegal in China, right? Nobody yeah. has guns. Yeah. Nobody has firearms. All right, whatever. A couple of weeks go by. Yahoo. Mass stabbing in China. Guy stabs 150 kids. The fuck? That's weird. <laughs> They're getting good to stab business. Okay. Couple months. Same shit. It's repetitive. It yeah. happens like four or five times enough to where I'm like, what the fuck is that about, dude? How is, <laughs> why is this not like a bigger... Why does nobody else care? And so I just happen to Google like, you know, mass stabbings in China. It's always kids. It's always some nut with a knife or a hammer or something. Yeah. And it turns out there's a Wikipedia page for it. Between okay. 2008 to 2010 or 12, they uh, there was like fucking 30 like mass stabbings or Jeez. shit. It's like at schools, like with kids. And um, the government chalks it up to some type of mass paranoia. I can see that. I mean, you see the same thing in today with, you know, COVID and the vaccine. People are like, oh my gosh, there's there's cameras in the vaccine. Or there's, you know, microchips in the vaccine. It's like you carry around a cell phone pretty much every day and the only time you don't have it in your pocket is when it's on the charger next to you when you're in bed it's like trust me if the government wants to find you they'll say oh well you know jim jones is you know at price shopper you know because you know i can look at his verizon bill yeah but i feel like you know mass paranoia about a vaccine is one thing but like grabbing a knife and just stabbing kids like you know i'm saying multiple times different people different areas I don't know. Like, it just seemed weird. Like, it's like some, either some mind control, some MK Ultra <laughs> shit, some yeah. fucking possession shit. Like, my mind, the way my mind works, it's like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Is it a cult? <laughs> I don't know. But no, yeah, that's what you were saying about how, like, an asshole with a fucking gun or a knife yeah. is the same thing as a regular person with a gun or a yeah. knife. But no. But anyways, back to the movie. <laughs> so we were talking about the first, the second lady. Because the first one he gets is Uma Thurman. The second one is the red-headed lady from Men in Black. Did uh, you recognize the actress? I'm trying to think. I the only face I really recognized in the whole thing was... I recognized Matt Dillon's face. And I think I was rolling... Like, oh, that guy. I'm trying to think um, of her face I saw. She was the bus driver from Forrest Gump. She was the... Oh, really? Yeah, that's who she was. And she was the... In Men in Black, she was the farmer's wife... Yeah, the... Um, the red-headed lady with the curly hair. Yeah, uh, the Edgar suit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Edgar suit's uh, wife. Mm-hmm. And fucking... Um, she lets him in the house, bro. 
He was trying really hard and really uncomfortably. Yeah, she's like, standing there, and like, she had like, the screen door shut, where she's like, there you go, and you say, oh, you know, let me in. And I've had, actually, when I used to have my house, I had a guy come in, and he wanted to sell me security cameras and stuff like that. Said, I can put in your house like that. He's like, oh, let me step in and, you know, take a look at your, where we can put cameras. And I go, no, no, because I kind of seemed, I say, oh, we're good, we're good. He's like, oh, no. And he kept trying to, you know, get in my house almost, like, oh, well, let's take a look. And I was like, no, no, we're good. And stuff like that, like, usually my sense, like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get killed, but I'm not going to have you, you know, scouting my house. I'm like, oh, there's a DVD player and there's, you know, this and that. And so I thought that was, yeah, I mean, you could tell she was really, really adamant on him not coming to the house. But I think in the back of her head, it was like, it's Matt Dillon, you know, I can trust Dillon. <laughs> that and, like, uh, he pretty much... He was waving money in her face, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was the real one. He was like, "I'm actually part of the insurance company." Yeah, he, he that lie, like the lies. He's like building up, like, "Oh man," but if he, you let me in. He I came to the door under the pretense of himself being a cop. Yeah, he's like, "I'm a cop. I'm just you know asking questions about the neighborhood." And then when she's like, "Nah, I'm good," he's like, "I was just kidding before. I'm Did, not really." Didn't a he have cop. to go? I apologize for my rouge or something like that. Yeah. He was like, I'm not really a cop. I'm actually an insurance agent, you know, because I he's, he's looking around the house and he sees a picture of her yeah. husband, and he's all like, I'm actually part of the insurance company dealing out life insurance from your husband or some shit like that. And that's the part where she's all like, Ah, oh, well, come right in, man. Oh, money talks. Come on, dude. And almost immediately, he's like, You fucked up. <laughs> I'm in, and you fucked up. <laughs> and then he uh, strangles her to death, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's always a scene like. Killing strength, like, not that any killing scene is comfortable, but when it's that romantic, like, not romantic, that personal and it's in your face, and it's very eerie to me. Like, yeah, that was eerie, because I even remember she doesn't die, right? Isn't she there with, like, her throat all swollen and shit? Yeah, and, and he, like, drags like, her, and I think her eyes are moving as he as he drags her. And he gives the, her water. Yeah, yeah. And that's, he's even, like, it's gonna burn. He's like, I know it hurts, and he's giving her water. And then, like you said, then he gets the knife and fucking... Yeah. F- 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 and um, after this scene, doesn't he mention he has, like, OCD? No, I actually took it down. His OCD... I found that his OCD, when he would take bigger chances, kind of diminished. Like, it got really, really... He count he counted a lot. And actually, it was weird, because when I was in a car wreck in 04, and I found that I was really OCD about things... Like, I counted my steps a lot. And funny story, actually, I had my my brother measure my green beans with a fabric uh, measuring tape that my stepmom had <laughs> when I was in the hospital. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why I had a head injury. I was really messed up. But um, I was like, hey, Gary, my brother, hey, Gary, can you, can you measure my green beans? And he was like, what? what? I was like, yeah. And I got mad. I was like, no, this is important. This is important. And so he did, oh, like four inches. It didn't change. I was like, okay. I, I ate them, and <laughs> I have no idea. And even my uh, neurologist is like, it's just, it's the brain repairing itself, and it'll go through little quirks. And I still do have that, like, certain numbers, like seven and stuff like that, are, I call them lucky. And my life doesn't change if I get seven steps up the stairs or whatever like that. But I saw his OCD kind of kick in when he was doing stuff. Like, um, I remember he murdered, I think it was the second one he murdered, and he left, and uh, he came back in, and he cleaned her place. And it's almost like, you know, always cleaning for fingerprints and stuff like that. It's like, 
not really. He's like just kind of cleaning. <laughs> and I remember that scene when he murders her and he puts her in a sheet and he puts her in the back of his, his uh, car. And then that man shows up and it's like, oh, yeah, have you seen so-and-so? The woman who lives here, and he's like, oh, I came and I knocked on the door and she wasn't there. He's like, you can go take a look if you want to. And he goes in and he takes her body out of the out of the uh, trunk and he kind of tosses her sort of in a wooded area. And uh, I guess ties the sheet to the tailgate. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's like, okay, I'm going to head out. And the guy goes in the house and he drives with her dragging her body in the sheet. Face down. And face down. I remember him driving all the way back to the city where, where he keeps the bodies in the cooler and he lifts her up and he turns her over and her face is basically road rashed off and it showed, it didn't hold any punches. It was like, oh man, quick glimpse. It like held on that scene of her face for a good probably 15 seconds and I was like, ugh. Yeah. So that was definitely more shock value there. I think um, you alluded to it a little bit, how the OCD kind of goes away. Yeah. Like, they show up for that one scene of him being kind of anal, and then I feel like after that, the OCD kind of just becomes a non-factor. Yeah, because after that scene, I don't remember seeing any more OCD qualities at all. No, there was no more meticulousness. Like, he kind of just starts, like, recklessly doing shit. Which I thought that kind of took away from the whole point of the OCD scene. (laughs) Like, yes, that was one of those, like, dark comedy moments. You know, he keeps, like, picturing, like, oh, there's blood under the lamp. Oh, there's blood under the carpet. He keeps going back in. Like, he wipes it, and he when he lifts the carpet, there's nothing there. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? It's showing. It's just one of his quirks, but it's another one of those things that probably didn't have to be left in because yeah. fucking, like I said, it never comes up again. Yeah. And, um, like you said, with the when he drags the woman behind the car, I think that was cool... Pretty much, that was just flexing the practical effects. Yeah. When they show her face. It wasn't 15 seconds. It was about a five-second yeah, which is still enough. And um, I thought it was really cool how they showed it. Like, it looked... Like, I, w- I don't know what <laughs> half of someone's face cutoff looks like, but I was like, eh, I believe it. I-, I kept thinking when he was dragging her back, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, man, the trail of blood's going to lead, like, police officers. Like, oh, there's blood on the, on the ground. It's going to lead them back to, you know his lair, his death lair, whatever. And obviously it didn't because it started raining. And I kind of laughed at that because I felt like as much as as evil as he was, things always kind of went his way. Like the yeah. blood went to the his crime scene, his death palace, whatever you call it, and, oh, it rained. And he's like, I'm like, man, some some good-ass luck right there. That was a cool concept because he, the narr- Matt Dillon as a narrator even says, like, I don't believe in God or divine yeah. intervention. He was like, because he's looking back at the road, the trail of blood from that woman's house to his fucking yeah. little freezer. And then when it starts to rain, he, it's kind of like one of them things, like, you know, is something, <sighs> is there a higher power yeah. looking out for him at that point? Yeah. Because that's what it seems like. And it's never really brought up again, but that concept is cool to me, like, you know, if there was, like, demons and shit. Yeah. That's kind of, like, what it touched on, I felt. But, um... After that, this isn't an incident. And I was thinking about it, because we talked about it when he's taking the Polaroids, when it becomes a big deal. He's, like, like, with a woman in a hotel room, strangles her, throws a body in her van, and then he runs over some chick jogging. Oh, yeah, that was... He... I'm trying to think of who the woman was. Did she see him... 
trying to think of Nah, it was just a rando, bro. Oh, yeah, he yeah, drives by her yeah. and he just circles Doom. back. And um, then he takes her body with the jogger, and so it's two bodies. Yeah, yeah. And he goes back to the woman's apartment, and he's, like, posing them both, taking Polaroids. Yeah. And uh, it's this scene where he's, like, takes multiple ones of them in different goofy fucking positions. And uh, he starts, this is where we realize he turns photos negative. Oh, yeah, you deal with a lot of the negatives, like the importance of negatives and... Because he says that's like shows, he says he thinks there's two worlds, the regular world and the yeah. negative shows the dark world, right? And I remember that reminded me, bro, in like uh, middle school, like when MySpace was a thing. <laughs> I thought when I discovered how to like negative photos and like paint, I thought it was the dopest <laughs> fucking thing. Because this is before filters. Filters like, aren't a evil. thing yeah. at this time. Yeah. So it's that's the closest thing to a filter we got was to just push the negative button and turn it like all of a sudden you're the the background behind you is black <laughs> you're this like white looking figure your eyes are black yeah. and shit it's cool as fuck and that's what that reminded me of instantly when I saw it and that's the same thing where it, this this uh, movie kind of deals with the spiritual world and you know the real world and stuff like that like I think that the same negatives and there's a negative of the photo it's the same photo as a developed photo but they're kind of opposites of each other sort of thing mm-hmm and that's another thing is like I was reading I watched another review on this right and somebody said that they think the whole message behind this film like you said it's it seems very artsy they're trying to explain all these things and compare it to other things right yeah and somebody said they think their interpretation of this movie is how that's all bullshit it's comparing it to a filmmaker or anybody who has art trying to explain what their art is. Oh, yeah, I, I can see that. Definitely. When Because Matt Dillon's saying these things, right? He's talking all philosophical. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you really know what you're talking yeah. about? Or it's is like it just... The line goes, That's my soul. Why? Because this is the line of life. And you're just like, as a person, you're just like, yeah, nah, not really. But okay, I can see where you're going with this. Like, it's the equivalent of, like, if I took a shit and turned around my phone and took a picture of the bowl and, like, at this right angle. And I'm like, do you see how it's, like, the curvature of it, <laughs> the texture, you know, the, how deep it is in the water represents something. You know, you could just... This, this turns my personality. Exactly. It's rough and rigid and sometimes corny. It's like, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But no, yeah, that's what, like, it was... Um, a contrast between how filmmakers can associate anything they're showing and just throw a coat of paint or an explanation over it. I agree with that because I agree over and over art something like this movie was done artistically, but they didn't try to over artistic, artistic, artisticize whatever you want to call that word. They didn't try to overdo it where you're like, oh man, you know, let's make all the everything red, you know, so it represents blood. Like, even in the scene at the end where his quote-unquote house, like, as much as it was a bunch of bodies kind of human centipeded together to create, like, a structure, a human barn, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like, you know, oh, my God, there's blood all over the place. It was just like, that's a that's a house of people. House of dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, that's what kind of I thought of it kind of made sense to me because at the end of it, I was like, because for me personally, I don't typically like artsy movies. Yeah. I'm usually, I usually look at it as very, I don't enjoy any artsy movies or artists trying to be overly artsy. Like, trying, oh man, this represents this. And I remember being in high school in art class, stuff like that. And 
like we had, we'd have a student try to explain their art and they'd be like, oh, well, I used this because of this. I used a lot of red in there because I was angry when I was doing it. And I'm always like, I, I, we're just viewing that piece. I didn't feel like, oh man, there's an angry piece. I'm like, this is a big red flower. Or yeah, it's like kind that. of like, oh, it's nice. Yeah, don't, don't do art. Do art for the sake. Don't do art for the sake of art. Do it for, you know, personal to show like personality and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, like, like I don't want to go make a movie and be like, I'm gonna make an art film and be like, I'm like, oh god, no. I saw this movie. It's on here called ABCs of Death. Twenty six uh, short films, and of the twenty six of them, one of them is literally like um, it's filmed in this all black room, and it's just uh, all these different VFX shots of like a lady in a chair, and like her and this dude banging and it's like all these weird colors there's fucking bubbles falling out of the sky <laughs> and shit smoke fucking neon lights weird angles slow-mo shots and i'm just like <laughs> cool i don't get it but cool like, all right cool <laughs> and in the end of it it's called like o is for orgasm or something so all this shit's supposed to represent like an orgasm and i'm at the end of it i was like i don't get it Man, I'm not doing mine right. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> but nah, dude. Like, yeah. Like, I just typically don't walk away appreciating it probably like I should. I don't know. Maybe my brain just doesn't register stuff like that. You know what death scene actually stuck with me the most of any movie almost? Was a full metal jacket. There's a scene where they're in boot camp and I can't think of the guy's name. Private Pile. Private Pile. He puts a gun in his mouth in the, in the latrine mm -hmm. and he pulls the trigger and blows the back of his head off. Like, I haven't seen that movie since then. And that was a VHS copy from Blockbuster years and years. Like, I was probably, my guess is 10 to 12, maybe. And that scene still, I'm like, man. And it's obviously not a murder scene, but it's a death scene. That was done to where that stuck in me decades <laughs> past. No, I know what you're talking about. That's the scene where he's like on the toilet and the shot is like of the wall and yeah. the toilet behind him and he just <sighs> He just puts the gun in his mouth and boom. Yeah, yeah. And that scene that scene wasn't made to be overly gory, but what it was and how they did it, it's like ingrained in my in my neurons in my brain. Like, yep. <laughs> I think I saw so many at that age, bro, that none of them even like really stick. <laughs> like I'm trying to think back also and nothing comes to me. But now watching this, that's one thing I noticed is like when he stabs people and stuff like that, like there's no sound, there's no music. He's just like slit, slit, slit. And that's really haunting to me because it really wants to give off a realistic portrayal of what that situation would be like. I don't know the sound of a knife going in and I don't want to find out, but I'm like, yeah, it's, that would definitely be haunting to me. So, mm -hmm. okay. So after the part where. He does the thing with the kids. Incident 3, that was the weird one, dude, where he's with the chick that he's, like, dating casually. Yeah, that was... I didn't like, get that. He really, like... He, like... He breaks her down. Like, he mentally almost breaks her until she... She feels like she's nothing to him, like... And I don't get it, because, like, I thought... I was like, okay, she's gotta know, right? Yeah. And uh, he keeps calling her simple. Yeah. So he's calling her dumb. And she's kind of playing along with it. And she seems like she's into the guy, right? Yeah. 
and out of nowhere and like you said that is kind of like parroting um what you're talking about the joker and the harley quinn relationship yeah. which is like what i thought they were going for because i was like all right he's been with her for a while so evidently he's some type of fond of this woman and then out of nowhere he's just because he's even like um coddling her remember when he takes the phone out of the room yeah so he like understands this woman on a very deep level so i was like okay he actually has a connection to this woman they're even kind of like facilitating their relationship and out of nowhere, bro, he's like, nope, just kidding. Yeah. I think that's where he, he's, I think, try to humanize him sometimes in scenes. Like, oh, oh man, he, you know, he's going to be kind. Oh, he can be jokeful and, you know, flirtatious. Like, oh, he's he's a man. He's Well, yeah, dude, he does over the top. He took the phone out of the room. He's yeah. calling her. He's helping her feel better. He's, like, aiding this chick. It's all cutesy, and it's like, even as, a, as you're watching this, you're like... Yeah, it's not gonna, he's not going to change. But like, oh, this woman changed him for the better. And or maybe like in this one little pocket, he's like a normal person. Yeah. And then he cuts her titties off. Yeah. And he puts one under, like he goes down and talks to that cop. And the cop's over, you know, yelling at some, like, I guess, homeless bum or something like that, like in an alley. And he's like, okay. And he just slides her breast under the, under the. Uh, he pins it to the windshield. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, okay. And I thought that was, when I saw that and he cut it off, like, he sees this beautiful art, this woman, oh, yeah. And he cuts off the parts that, you know, oh, this is what makes you beautiful. You know, I'm going to take this from you. And it's more, you know, breaking her down. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what you, this is what you value. Okay, I'm going to take this from you. And because That's all he keeps commenting on. He's like, yeah. you got great tits. Yeah. That's all he keeps saying. And eventually... He's like, take your shirt off, and he starts starts market tra- mark trailing yeah. around her boobs. And yeah, when he marked them, I was like, those are going away. <laughs> so I was like, yep. And then she runs to try to tell that cop you were referring to, and the cops just kind of like, get your drunk friend out of here, yeah. and he drives off. And but yeah, he cuts her boob off and he uses it as a wallet. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I forgot later, and he, I don't remember where he was. He's like in a store something like that. And he opens it, and I was like. A nipple in that wallet? <laughs> am, I, am I just imagining things? I was like, ah, ugh. yeah. And um, I think that's kind of in reference to like um, who wasn't Ed Gein, the yeah, guy yeah. who inspired the Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre, who would like keep body parts and use them for like weird shit like that. And also another thing, ser- this is pretty much just an ode to famous serial killers if you think about it. Just kind of a collage of of like all these different traits killers. just yeah. put into this dude. Because then remember he starts to get obsessed with wanting to be caught. Yeah, so yeah. he starts sending shit to the police, kind of mirroring the Zodiac Killer, yeah. right? Sending him, like, different letters, and he's calling himself Mr. Sophistication, yeah. which I thought was a terrible name. <laughs> I kind of looked, when I when you said Mr. Sophistication, I kind of thought back to uh, American Psycho, uh-huh. because I can't think of the main character's name. He was very, you know, slick back hair, very businessman. And I thought, I'm trying to think, what is the main song that he plays in American Psycho? I can't think what it is, but it is very sophisticated, you know, like, oh, you know, businessman making millions kind of, uh, kind of business. So I looked at that, I was like, that kind of has that same feel. Well, that's another reason why I thought it reminded me of it, because, I mean, he's wearing the suits all the time yeah. with the big jacket, yeah. and it's very reminiscent. But um, does that got me thinking, like, when you were growing up, when was your first, like, understanding of a serial killer, or what was your first one that you kind of heard reference to? Because um, I was thinking back to this, and I'll let you think about it while I'm throwing this out. Um, I think it was in House of a Thousand Corpses. 
you remember um have you seen that yeah yeah Remember the opening scene when they're doing the murder ride at the uh, gas station and the clown's taking them through, like, the tour of famous serial killers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ed Gein, some doctor, Dr. Satan and all that shit. That's yeah. not a real one. But the ones before that were real. And that was kind of, like, my first, like, experience to, oh, that's out there. When you reference real characters, real murderers, like, within a fictional movie, it's kind of creepy because, like, oh, man, this movie's fiction. But these scenes aren't, or th- these people aren't, so... Yeah, or, like, um, reference to John Wayne Gacy, the whole clown suit yeah. thing. Like, I guess around here, there's some urban legend about, in Kansas City, about some clown standing on top of a school building or <laughs> yeah, some I've shit. I've heard that, yeah. And, um, yeah, like, as far back as you can remember, can you think of, like, when your first, like, reference to that kind of stuff was? Um... Real crimes, I can't think of who it is, but film crimes, stuff like that. I think I remember seeing like, Seven. So Zodiac. Uh, yeah, Seven. Oh no, Seven wasn't Zodiac. That was just some That's, random. Yeah, it was just a fictional murder, I think. But uh, the guy who murders people according to the Seventh Sins, stuff like that. I remember seeing that movie, and I was like, like at the end when uh, Brad Pitt opens the box and it's his wife's head and stuff like that, like. It affects you because you watch it and you're like, oh, man, he's just killing random bunch of randos. Like, you know, that's sad that someone had to die, but nobody knows him. And then Brad Pitt opens the box and it's his wife's head. Mm-hmm. And that's a fictional killer. As far as real killers, like, I remember as of late hearing about BTK and stuff like that. That was around here, wasn't it? I, I think it was, it was Midwest, yeah. And, like, I haven't looked in too much into it because usually I'm like, oh, man, I'm just going to live a smiling unicorns and marshmallow kind of life sort of thing. <laughs> I don't need that negativity in my I life, don't, bro. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that murder, murder stuff in my life, but... No, um... Where was I going with that? I was thinking... Fucking, um... Do you think that... Because I saw... Since we've... You've seen horror movies from a young age, correct? Yeah, yeah. Do you think seeing that kind of stuff desensitizes you to, like, real murders and shit? Like, you see Jason or Michael Myers murder, like, 20 people in a movie. Yeah. That's one thing I, I feel like a lot of times it does. And that's why when I see movies, like, that uh, deal with, like, this, like, more realistic killings. Because you watch Scream and, you know, Ghostface chase someone down. And, oh, they stab. Oh, there's blood. Okay, whatever. And it's... You get to the point where you're like, oh, whatever, it's just corn syrup and stuff like that. Whereas in this movie, when he the knife goes into someone's stomach and it cuts to her eyes like going wide, it it makes me it it makes me identify as like, oh man, like what would I do? What does it feel like to be you know have a blade put in my gut? And I'm like, obviously it's not a good feeling, but isn't it weird to see like. You ever see Facebook videos or like of like gas station shootings or some yeah, shit yeah. or somebody shot at a convenience store, right? It's just real fast and clumsy. Like you just see, you don't even really look like anything. It just, yeah. you're real, it's always fast. Just real quick people running, pop, pop, pop. Somebody falls and it's like everybody's run away and it's like, that, that's how that is. Yeah. It's like, oh. It's that, that's anticlimactic. Yeah. Cause I grew up in a, you know, happy go lucky neighborhood where I didn't have to worry about stuff like that. Like I could walk down my street. Like at you know eleven thirty at night to two in the morning, and you know the worst thing I'll get is a teenager who is kind of a dick. It's like, hey man, you're a fag. I'm like, I'm like okay, cool, bye. <laughs> That's the worst thing I'll get. Whereas people in like you know the hood and stuff like that really have to worry about stuff. Like when I was in 
about 15, I was skating in KCK mm-hmm. with a couple of my friends, and I didn't have a license yet. The guy that I was with had a driver's license. And we met up with some guys downtown who were from out of town shooting a uh, skate video. And so we were bored by Memorial Hall and skating, and these kids pulled them bikes, and they had Halloween masks on. It was like in July. And that was automatically a big red flag. I was like, okay, whatever. And they asked us if we were, uh, we were Crips. And I was like, no, nah, man, we're here to skate. And like, nah, the, I'm white, bro. One of the guys uh, that we were with that we met downtown was like, oh, man, you got your big man behind those masks. And he stood up and pulled a pistol out of his pants. And he goes, you were too young to die. And that was my first experience of having a gun pointed at me. And I wasn't mad at him or anything like that. I was like, that's just their, that's how they grew up. That's, you know, their survival tactic. And at the same time, I was like, man, I probably came previously close to death. And, like, how did I react to that? I was like, I was a frightened child. I was like, uh, and I skated back to my friend's truck and kind of hid. And then we got in that truck and we drove off. And it went the best way it could have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it makes me think. I was like, yeah, what would I do in a situation like, you know, where you know, Matt Dillon shows my house. And he's like, oh, man, you know, I have all this money for you. I'm like, I can use some money. That's definitely, like, part of the commentary in this movie, I think, is that whole thing of, like, just suburbia. You don't typically have to worry yeah, about yeah. these kind of things. Everybody's pretty opening and trusting. Nobody expects this kind of shit. Yeah. And um, so we come up on towards the end of the movie now, right, where the dude decides to, um, he lines the bodies up in the freezer. He's going for his, what he calls in the movie, his magnum opus. Yeah. When I saw this, bro, I was just so in awe. Because, like I said, what I look for in films is things that are A, different, B, shocking, three, just unique, which are all pretty much the same fucking thing. It's just for the extreme. <laughs> yes. And you see, like, what was it, five or six dudes on a post bound by their necks, so their heads are, like, side by side. Oh, yeah. That, I remember this. Oh, yeah, that scene. Like he's going to fire a he wants full to, metal jacket through all their heads or something. He wants to fire this single full metal jacket from this massive rifle and he wants to see if it'll go through all of their heads. And I remember just the like I was thinking in my head like who the fuck thinks of this bro? <laughs> and apparently that's a real thing. You know that? I looked it up. Oh really? I can't remember if it was it was some fucked up situation Nazi Germany or Japan or China when they were invading some country or some shit right? Um, supplies were limited. So that was how they performed wow. their executions. Just so that's where that's one bullet from. So many dead bodies. Yes, instead of like one at a time or Russia or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's what they would do. They would just fucking put the heads all in a row like that, so they can kill as many dudes with a single bullet as they could. Jeez. That's the origin of that. Or maybe they said it in the movie. Can't remember. They might possibly might have. I I know. Yeah, uh, Jack was very. He's very warty, and he. He might have romanticized that, right? a lot of the deaths and stuff like that. So, so, anyways, he's about to fucking do it. He and then one of the guy, the last guy he kidnapped. That was the first time they showed him kidnapping guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. wasn't that how that came up? Because the guy was he like kidnapped a, an African American man, and like he handcuffed him and just threw him back in the, the back of the van. And that was the guy. Was that the guy he brought back? That scene, he's like, you know, put your head on the pole. Or yeah. Because the narrator, he's, Matt Dillon's talking to another guy named Verge. Yeah. Virgil, but he calls him Verge. I wasn't sure. I was trying to decide if Verge was a, an officer or if he was like a psychiatrist. And I felt like he was more of a psychiatrist because he talks, 
use a lot of the like, very psychiatric psychiatric terms. Mm-hmm. And um, Verge asks him, he's like, "So you're only cruel to women? Why are you on? Why do you hate women?" And Matt Dillon's like, "Oh, I kill men too." He's like, "I just don't talk about it as much." Yeah. And I think that's how this story comes up, right? Yeah. Because it's nothing but like five or six dudes just lined up in his freezer. And like you said, the black dude he got was military, so he tells him, like, yo, that's not Full Metal Jacket. And Matt Dillon's like, you're goddamn right, bro. <laughs> so we get a little, again, on the comedy part where he goes to the store, he's tripping on the guy, he's selling him bullets. And because of that altercation, that's how the cops get called on him. Yeah. And that's how the cops show up outside of his freezer door when he's finally about to um, kill these dudes. There was a lot of buildup about... Uh, Jack's refrigerator that there's this door that he can't open. Yeah, I remember seeing that and I was like I must find that door and then when he finally opens it, once again, kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's just, he just needs more Another fucking for, freezer. For the, for the bullet. <laughs> right. And um, I thought there was going to be something met. One, I thought it was going to be like a restaurant like yeah. where people were really working or something. Yeah. Or where people were eating or anything. It was just a bigger part of the freezer. Yeah, I, I agree, because I, I was waiting for... I looked at it as like, oh, what's behind that door is... It's another part of his brain where... That's how I kind of looked at it. I was like, oh, it's some part of his brain that he's not... He's blocked out because he's just, oh, oh killing. You know, he, he's become numb to that. And that's how I saw it. And then when he just backed up the gun, I was like, oh. Well, okay. He just needs more space for murder, I guess. So that was kind of a... I guess a buzzkill. I was like, oh... <laughs> And like we've been saying, this is the part where the cops show up and he decides to um, create his house of corpses. Yeah. Like a little, I, ca- I called it like a teepee, like a tent. Yeah. It was more like that size. It was like an Amish barn raising. but <laughs> Yeah. And that's where he actually meets the guy who's talking to him in his narration, Verge. Yeah. And I kind of I picture Verge being like the devil on his shoulder or oh, something. Yeah, yeah. Like just this angel in his mind following him around. Because he said he's even like in all the Polaroids he's taken, right? Yeah, That's yeah, the he's, he's in the background, like kind of. And um, kind of schizophrenic almost. And he's the one who talks him into building the house, right? Yeah. And from once he builds the house, a hole opens up in the floor. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what the hole, and I thought it's like maybe it was the hole to hell, or maybe it was the hole like releasing him from his mm-hmm. torment. I was like, I don't know. I was. Just, I was actually going to talk to you. I was like, what do you think that was? So the film is really grounded in reality. And I messed up because while I was reading about the film, while I was watching the movie, um, it came up that the director wanted to depict a trip to hell. So as soon as that happens, I knew what that was. Yeah. And um, that's pretty much what it is. I think it's the film's grounded in reality until the end. In the end... That's like a metaphor for his death. So I'm assuming he was just shot when the cops yeah. raided the fridge. But rather than show him getting shot, we see him escape through a portal that takes him to hell. And so that's what the director wanted to do was feature what he thought would be symbolic of a trip to hell. Yeah. Now, so I read up on like what the symbolism of all that is. And do you know anything about Dante's Inferno? I know, I know of the... Of the Greek tale, but I have read it. I know very, very lightly. But like you said, it's a Greek. It's a Greek epic poem. Yeah. And it, even it, in the poem, there's a character named Virgil, who's a guide leading Dante through the nine levels of hell. So that's who Virg is. Mm-hmm. He's the same thing. And 
I thought it was cool, bro. Because what? I, what? Are the, I can't remember the levels or what they were going through. Yeah, he was like talking about the different spheres of hell or whatever. There was like a cave with water, and yeah. like I said, this is while I'm in Colorado, bro. And I just <laughs> done that cave tour, and I'm like, oh, bro, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> Which cave was I in? Right, and um, there's one scene where they're like stuck in a painting. And they're he's wearing like a red robe. Yeah, beautiful fucking image. And again, that. it goes back to kind of like the cathedrals where it's very, you know, Renaissance kind of feels. Like, oh yeah. And wasn't there like a water hell or something, or a cold yeah, hell, yeah. a frozen hell? And wasn't the picture, wasn't it, oh, I don't remember the picture, but it was like the one revolutionary times where people on the boat, like the small boat going, and I think... Oh, it was like Washington, right? Yeah, 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 and, he, and uh, Jack was in it, and I was like, oh, okay. And it looked cool. There's a scene where they're in like bubbles floating down. Yeah. Even that looked cool, bro. Yeah. And of course, it all comes to the penultimate, penum, penumulted? Penultimate? How's that fucking word? To, you know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about. Fucking the ultimate moment, the climax. Yeah, yeah. When they uh, they actually get to this like fiery pit. It's a bridge that's broken. Yeah. On the other side, it's the door to the exit of hell is what Virgil tells him. But the bridge is broken. He's like, nobody can get to get across. And fucking Jack, being the prick that he is, is like, what if I just climb around? There's rocks. I kind of looked at that when I saw that. I was like, that's symbolic of like. You know, there's heaven across this broken bridge, or not heaven, but yeah, heaven across this broken bridge. But you have to do all these tasks, like of you know, all these difficulties right here, which is climbing the wall to get to heaven. Like you don't just you know like stroll across the bridge. You got oh, you got to fight this and this and this. And did you think he would make it? I, some part of me was kind of hopeful that he would get there because I mean, he was a Jack was a. I didn't hate the guy. I had had no you know anger towards him he wasn't a good guy but it was like oh and in my way i wanted him to you know get across and you know get to safety but at the same time i was like he's not really deserving of such things you know speaking of that the moment where like i because for me when you think of him it's like all right this is a form of like some type of mental illness he has right yeah. that's why he's doing all these horrible things and he's just this brutal character He's meek, because even Uma Thurman's kind of, like, prodding at him. Yeah. That's why he does it. It's, like, it's reactionary. I'm like, okay, I get that. And even when he kills the first woman that he strangles, you know, when he goes into her house, he's wrestling with it. He's like, man, I don't want to do this. I didn't. I don't His know why you let me in. <laughs> then he does it. And the woman he strangles the in the hotel room, that's kind of, like, impulsive, I feel. Yeah. Even with the kids, it's like, all right, you know, he's even kind of, like, pretending to be cool with them or whatever but you know he's messed up but the scene when he killed simple to me that was like him consciously like toying with the woman and i felt like once he killed her that was kind of like a point of no return yeah. for me that's where i was like okay he's kind of cat and mouse sort of thing he's a bad dude <laughs> so by the point with the bridge for me i was kind of like i really hope he doesn't make it yeah because uh especially nowadays bro cliche in a lot of movies is that Evil is always going to win. Yeah. Especially in fucking, like, religious movies, bro. Satan <laughs> is undefeated in those yeah. goddamn movies. So when he was going to start, you know, climbing around to get to the other side of the bridge, I was like, oh, this fucker's going to do it. And when I was reading up, the director was heavily inspired by Hitchcock in this scene. And it kind of looks like when it's over the top yeah. and he's like, you see the CG fire under yeah. him and he's, like, scaling it. And when he gets stuck and he ultimately falls. So Jack dies. Uh, and there was a satisfying conclusion for me. 
I, I feel f- I feel a lot like that because I feel like when when the bad guy wins in any movie or anything like that, you're always like, oh man, it's not how it's supposed to be. Like justice is supposed to be done. Like, and so you're very <laughs> left very unsatisfied. That's <laughs> a movie that makes me think of it. Is uh, you ever seen Dante's Peak? It's the uh, it's with Double uh, O Seven guy. I'm trying to think of his name. Okay, I know what you're talking about, and but I never saw it. There is a a volcano in kind of like I'm guessing like Seattle or something like that, and it's overflowing. And there's a scene where uh, the man and his girlfriend and his girlfriend's like two kids and someone else. They're all in this truck and they're driving. Well, the dog that he's with jumps out of the truck, and there's a lava pouring down the mountain. And they're like, "Oh no, we lost the dog!" Da, da, da. Well, they're driving up and they're surrounded by lava and all of a sudden the dog's like on this rock and it jumps inside the truck and I remember seeing that movie and being like that wouldn't happen and being kind of angry at the, the fact that this dog survived I didn't want the dog to die but I was like whatever and I like that's not reality so, <laughs> and as much as I look at it I'm like that's really messed up of me like I'm rooting for the death of this dog it's like, the dog didn't do anything to me <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole creative part of the story is it we're on this journey with the serial killer and they turn the serial killer into the protagonist yeah. somehow. I'm like, am I rooting for a serial killer? Like, who am I to, you know, root for the serial killer? Like, yeah. Even, uh, you ever seen that movie Natural Born Killers? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's perfect example. Yeah, because you're like, man, these people are really messed up. They're just straight up murdering people. And, like, why am I, you know, on team? I can't remember their names. Mickey and Mallory. Yeah, Team Mickey and Mallory. Like, why am I rooting for these people? And it kind of shows our own dark personality quirks ourselves because they, these people who are murderers seem attractive because both, both of them are you know moderately attractive people. It's like okay, yeah. Well, that's part of the uh, good part of storytelling. If you could paint a narrative where it's like, all right, I get behind what these people are yeah. doing or something. That's the whole point of it. And this movie, I don't know if they ever really necessarily paint that picture, but they create Matt Dillon's character yeah. to be someone who's kind of like slightly relatable in some ways yeah. before he's doing these horrible it's like, things. Oh, I could, I could be this guy, and that's what I'm, I was telling you about. It's almost like a guide to how to be a serial killer. Like, oh, you know, relatable. Like, oh, you know, he's a good guy. You know, he kills people, but he's okay. You know, that's kind of like me. Mm-hmm. But so, all in all. What would you rate the movie? One to five. Or no, one to six. Uh, one being terrible and six being amazing. Yeah. I would probably give it... I'm going to go with a three and a half. I enjoyed the movie, but it wasn't a movie where, like, when I was watching it and had to go to the bathroom, I was like, I got to pause this and, you know, go to the bathroom and come back, unpause. I enjoyed it, and it's. I think it's all of it is because of... When it comes to movies that have very artistic qualities and stuff like that, mm-hmm. there's almost a lot of work to watching it. And you don't have to. You can easily, lazily watch it. Like, oh, look, he's you know, killing people, stabbing people. Okay, you can watch it. But being from the artistic background that I am, I like to take everything in and kind of digest it. Yeah. And so, I mean, it makes me wonder if I was watching this. Because I remember seeing the screenshot of it on Netflix. And you're like, oh, what's the movie? House of Jack built. looks kind of creepy. And I never, like, played it. But since you had me watch it and... We were going to, you know, dissect it. I took notes and everything like that. So I wonder if I was watching this movie and not taking such notes, if I would react any differently than I 
towards than I did. <laughs> it definitely is a whole other thing taking notes and actually just kind of yeah. sitting there and being able to just watch a movie. Um, I think I'm going four just because it's a good movie. I think um, objectively, it's a good movie. It's made the filming is cool, the scenes, the imagery is dope, the acting's fire, the kill scenes are good. There's... I never didn't enjoy myself if that makes sense. Yes, I never was... like. Oh, I've I've seen movies in my past. I'm like, I'm bored. This is stupid. Or it's I, I, I was over. always like, okay. I was never waiting for it to end. I was like, okay, he's at a bridge. Is he gonna climb across this wall? Well, I'll be damned. He is. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the way I go about movies is five is if I like really like something and I don't have a ton of co- things to complain about, but I don't think it's flawless. Yeah. Four is I enjoyed a movie, but there are things I didn't like about it. Like I said, all the extra artsy shit yeah. that I felt like was kind of unnecessary. But, <clears throat> and also, um, why else couldn't I pick it like that? It's mostly just that, just for runtime. Oh, because like you were saying... When some films seem more of a chore to watch. Yeah. That's how I was trying to describe, like, Hereditary and Midsummer yeah. to you. Objectively, they're really fucking good movies, bro. But you gotta definitely kind of have your, like, your fucking director's hat on while you're watching it. It's like, like put closed caption on because you don't want to miss this. Oh, man, I gotta watch this movie. Watch, watch it. Like, like it's, it's a chore to watch yeah. it. It's stressful. It's fucking all this extra stuff. It's not necessarily fun. Like, it's not Blade, bro. <laughs> I always reference I always think when people like say like how would you describe a fun movie I think Blade yeah. just, that's what this movie was missing Wesley Snipes Wesley Snipes just smoking fucking vampires Wesley bro. Snipes was when they were Jack and, and make his movie perfect <laughs> there's always a motherfucker trying to ice skate up a hill <laughs> I haven't seen Wesley in years what was up to hope he didn't have COVID what else did he say? There's another line that we he's always one motherfucker trying to piss into the wind. It's been so long since I've seen Blade now, but it's a lot of those movies. The only superhero movie sort of thing I haven't I've seen that had none of those cliches was Logan. That movie was just phenomenal from start to finish, and it wasn't like your typical stereotype uh, superhero movie. No, dude, flawless. That's a movie I call flawless. Yeah. I really enjoyed fucking Logan. That movie was like, I'm trying to think. Uh, ancient book movies like that were like oh my god that was my chariot of fire right there logan was so. mm-hmm. created a new character presented logan in a way outside of the x-men universe that was very realistic and gritty of like what happens when a yeah. dude fucking stabs you with three giant knives on exactly. his hand and i've never like when logan dies in the movie i'm just like oh i was legitimately sad i was like oh man we're not gonna see him again i'm thinking like we can see him again they <laughs> do it all the time Marvel movies. oh but well, even when actually Deadpool at the end, when he he has a serum that brings uh all the characters back to life, yeah, yeah. yeah. and he you know, shows up at the grave, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> dude, I'm so excited for the uh, the new Doctor Strange movie. Oh, I yeah. didn't really care for the original Doctor Strange, but what from what I'm hearing about what they're doing with that new one, bro, I'm so pumped. That's pretty good. And actually, what's the uh, new Spider-Man movie they're doing too? It's the same, the same gimmick. Uh, three, it's called like I can't remember what it's called, but it's gonna be the same idea of multiverse. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, it's kind of cool seeing them cross, like, oh, man, you know, you got DC and also Marvel, and they're kind of coming in. Because I remember talking back in elementary school when I was an X-Men card guy. I was like, oh, man, when are they, they going to get to play Wolverine? And obviously being a kid, you know, like, oh, man, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and <laughs> who was big back in my day, like, oh, no, no. Nah, dude, Sylvester Stallone. And they're like, oh, man, it's uh, Hugh Jackman. I remember being like, 
fuck is Hugh Jackman? He was Australian. And he dude. was honestly, he was Wolverine. He was Logan to a T. I know. On that subject, also superpowers. I think flight. Flight. Flight because number one, saving gas. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Number two. I don't know. I've always, always thought if I could have a power of flight, it'd be, it wouldn't change my life. I don't know. I mean, it would change my life, obviously. <laughs> but like, I'm like, what would I do with this? And obviously, I always think, would I keep it a secret? And I feel like I would only display my powers to people I really, really trusted or, you know, if I had to. <laughs> you ever thought about the logistics of that, though? Like, it would be fucking freezing. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you would just freeze your nuts off, bro. I think of me just walking around in my normal... Oh, I'm going to walk, you know, 10 yards across this field... Or 50 yards across this field, okay? And I'll walk on a trip like five times. When I'm up in the air, like, by a lot, like, how am I going to... Where's the point where I screw up and either forget how to fly or do something like that? <laughs> when you envision it, like... So what if... How do you think it works? Like, are you leading with your hands? Are you levitating? I feel like... My, okay, I look at it thinking of when I'm walking. I leave my head, I guess. <laughs> I think the scariest thing is kind of like when uh, the Spider-Man movies, when he's on the top of the building. For the first time, he's going to jump and just, like, shoot his web and swing. Like, that would be the scariest thing ever. Like, you know, oh, jump. I hope this works. You know, does it? Ah, you think it'd be like fucking intro to gymnastics? You know how they're not really right off the bat jumping off buildings. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of, like, on the ground on a cube that's about two feet off the yeah, ground. Exactly. You think you'd want to start like that, like baby step the motherfucker? I personally would, and I know we like, comic book movies are typically an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, so I can't be like, oh man, here's all the mental, you know, hurdle he had to jump to become this, you know, ultimate person. Hmm. So it kind of cuts, oh, and he swings from the web, and oh, okay, okay, he's learning, and he also has these, he goes from a, you know, photographer to this guy who can web sling through freaking um what do they call them through trains and stuff like that you're like yeah i don't think i'd have to like take a year year and a half just to yeah get I, always thought, I always thought it was weird how he turns into like a god of parkour like yeah. along with his spider like abilities you know <laughs> i was like maybe it's all you know spider sense or something like that it's like i learned how to ride a bike i show some you know doing bmx tricks because like a week look, later so. say if i get bit by a radioactive spider dude <laughs> I'm not all of a sudden gonna just be like the most limber fucking dude. Just like I said, doing fucking ninja warrior shit. Like we're, it's gonna take some training, son. I can shoot you with webs. That's about it. <laughs> I can shoot with shoot with webs and you know make quirky comments and stuff like that. But that's probably the extent of like my <laughs> athletic abilities. You know, it's like my power would just be being like a witty smart ass. But yeah, like some crude comment. No, but but like the superpower I'd want, bro, is um. I'm a big anime guy. Yeah. Not like big, but like half, I'm about half in, half yeah. out, clearly. <laughs> and uh, there's this anime called uh, Elfin Lied. You ever heard of it? I don't think I have, actually. It's pretty much like um, this chick who can make people explode by just like staring at them. Oh, jeez. And that's her power is she can't control it. She's a young chick who's emotionally damaged. So the intro to the anime, the first episode is her escaping through this facility with all these guards coming at her and she's pretty much just like decapitating them with her mind as she's walking <laughs> through the hallways with this helmet on and I always thought that would be fucking insane to be able to do like as an offensive yeah. ability bro like literally like yeah like you ever seen Supernatural yeah yeah like what they do to motherfuckers just 
I feel like I'd really hate that power, though, because I'd be driving in traffic, and then somebody would cut me off, like... I just I I I imagine that scene from uh from Pulp Fiction where the guy gets his head blown off in the car. Yeah, I was like driving. Like, it, it would be a lot of response. You're just at McDonald's, bro, and someone forgets your shit behind the counter. I feel bad because I know I go by week and like, oh man, they didn't deserve that, and I'm like, well, I can't un- I can't reverse them. Yeah, mm. like sorry, my bad. Clearly, it's like an exclusively a villain's power, but yeah, still, exactly. <laughs> imagine like a good guy. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, oh, he's too far away. <laughs> nah. But yeah, I don't know. I always thought that would be an interesting one. I remember, the reason I say I'm not big on anime, bro, is because I remember I was, um, I was talking to this girl one time, and I thought, like, I knew she was really big into anime, so I was like, you know what? I like anime, too. This will be my, <laughs> this is my end. This is my bridge. And I'm all like, yeah, so what are, like, your favorite animes? Give me some ones I should watch, because I fuck with them, too. So she gives me this list of about 10 of them. And I remember I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in there. And I'm like, I'm going to just watch a couple of these, you know, just figure it out. I have something to talk about. <laughs> There's this, the stories are so deep. You're like, oh, man, I don't even know what's going on. Exactly. And the one she recommended to me pretty much is I ended up watching these animes, bro. And I'm like, this is like a soap opera, but with fucking animated characters. <laughs> and there's no action happening here. I don't like anime that much. <laughs> and that's kind of when I realized, like, all right, I just like really specific anime. Yeah. I'm trying to think where else. Uh, one of the weirdest things was what did I what did I go on with this? Oh, Verge at the end. When you know, I'm trying to figure out who he is, uh, he says I'm. Uh, he's he climbed the wall. He's like, the choice is yours. So he didn't say you can't do it. He's like, the choice is yours. He always gave Jack the option. He's like, you know, it's going to be difficult to get around this. You can do it. But the choice is yours and you know jack tries it and he's like yeah i got there got about halfway there and then he just pretty much he decides really hard and he's yeah he kind of comes to terms with his own his own i guess few or his own past and he's like you know what yeah i was not a good guy i'm just gonna you know fall and just accept my fate yeah and i think that was kind of cool like the whole is like accept what you've done admit your faults and you know Hopefully none of us are, you know, mass murderers. I know I'm not. <laughs> Ideally. But let's say he's, he just accepts his face. Like, yep, this is a lot of work, and there's heaven. I can get to heaven. But I realize what I've done, and I'll just accept it. I think, to me, what Verge represents is um, there's this character in Greek mythology um, called the Sharon. You know mm-hmm. what that is? I, I, the word rings a bell, but I couldn't. It's the uh, the image of the boat going over the river of the dead, mm-hmm. where it's a guy with the ho- the cloak and he's like paddling the yeah. boat while you ride it, and he's taking you to the underworld, and you give him like a coin or some shit. That's what the Sharon is, and that's kind of what Verge seemed like to me. He was just the uh, the tour guide to the yeah. underworld, more or less. And that's even like supposedly, I think that's what the whole narration is. Is it's Jack. Um, telling his stories while they're traveling to the to oh, hell yeah. so i think that's what that whole thing represented actually that's actually really good i didn't even thought about that but yeah when you say that i'm like he's kind of sitting in the back of the boat like well nothing new well here's why i'm here and here's what i've done and this is my story yeah. and blah so i thought that was cool which is another reason why like i said this was different it was there's was very thought out yeah, i can't think honestly of another movie 
like we keep referencing uh, American Psycho, and it was it had similarities. But it was nowhere near the murdering, this but introspective. It was nowhere near in depth. Yeah, like I never thought the guy from American Psycho. The only thing I knew about him is he liked crappy eighties bands. And he, he was a narcissist. Yeah, he. And I remember seeing. Uh, this, I remember the scene in American Psycho when he's uh, he's having sex with the. I think she's a whore, and he's flexing in the in the mirror and he's looking at himself and I was like, "Hey, he's a narcissist." <laughs> you ever done that? I have never done. That. I love the. <laughs> No, <laughs> I was like, I have stories, but <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna share them. No, nah, dude, we got next other was like, hey, you told this story. I'm like, no, I didn't. She's I love like, like the I pause got... in your moment. You're fucking like, in the moment, bro. Like, you were fighting it. I'm like, beer left, beer left. <laughs> nah, me, dude. Like, I'll, I'll be upfront about it. We got a giant mirror in our bedroom, and every now and then, dude, I'll look in the mirror and think of the movie, and I'll kind of go like. <laughs> Like, like, just thinking of the movie, bro, in reference, I'm like, I'll even do, like, the... (laughs) Just something obnoxious, like, literally not something I do casually, but it just comes into my head, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, fuck yeah. It's one of those things when, like, say you're sitting at work or something like that, and you're just like, you're like, like, what's wrong? You're like, nothing. Nothing. And then they're like, oh, no, tell me. Like, nah, nah. (laughs) It's nothing, like, I can explain it to you, but it won't be funny to you. It's it's for me. (laughs) Right. You won't get it. But I do. And even if I explain it in depth, you'd be like, that's kind of weird. You'd be like, I'm kind of weird myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm always like, if I ever did like a radio show on normal, like on the regular, I'll be like, people are going to think I'm really freaking weird. Because like, I have my things I say in life, and I have my things I don't say. Mm. I'm so loose with some of my words that when, I remember when I went on a float trip uh, with my one of my friends and his... Uh, dad was there and i don't remember what i said but my friend made a comment and i made a really off the wall comment and his dad was like what i go nothing (laughs) i'm not not explaining my yeah that's why i have a rough time with like some people bro some people i just can't connect with because i feel like like you said i'll say some off the wall shit and like they just won't get it (laughs) And they'll be very confused, and it'll be awkward, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? It's just not worth it. That's why some people are quieter than others. Yeah. But um, I have cousins who have a podcast also, and we talked about this before. And um, I have made sure, building up to this, that with, like, people I'm close to, whether it be, you know, my girl, my family, my mom even, I'm very open, and I tend to overshare. Yeah. That's and thing. the reason for that is... Is because I knew doing this, I was going to say wily shit, <laughs> tell crazy stories. And if I wasn't comfortable, you know, telling them, how could I say it on this to yeah. the Just internet, stranger. Yeah, exactly. So I figure as long as, you know, I'm comfortable saying it to family, to people close to me, I'm cool just belting it all out. Yeah. Which is why this works out for me. <laughs> But like I said, to each their own. There are things, of course, I'm not going to share. Yeah, oh yeah, that's not an idiot. I was like, oh, there is this story I have. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save that. <laughs> I'm gonna file it under. No, we're good. <laughs> no, no. But on that note, man, I think this is a good time to wrap this up. So make sure you guys follow the Instagram, TikTok. Get rid of the Facebook page recently. So ah. this is just on Instagram, TikTok, and the full episodes are available on YouTube. Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever the hell you listen to your stuff at. 
But, Jeff, thank you for being with me. Oh, I appreciate it. It's a blast. And this has been the Death Taco Podcast.